You're listening to Mornings with Eric and Bridget right here on Moody Radio 89.3. Well, Dr. Heather Holloman says one of her deepest passions is to connect people in loving community. And that's part of the reason why she's written this new resource called The Six Conversations, Pathways to Connecting in an Age of Isolation and Incivility. Is there incivility out there? Hmm, I don't know. We'll have to find out how we bridge that divide with Dr. Heather Hovelman, who's a professor at Penn State. Dr. Hovelman, thanks so much for joining us. Well, hello, Bridget and Eric. I love being on your program. Thanks for having me. Yeah, again, Penn State University, you're there on campus. I'm sure that... All the conversations going on there are um, uh, clear and pure and uh, no division or whatsoever. Um, Again, let's go back and start again for just a second. Was the climate you were seeing on the university campus part of the reason for this book? Yes, I was so concerned about kind of this culture of incivility, people not being able to talk to one another. I was seeing so much fear of cancel culture and arguing and people not being able to come together And I'm also deeply concerned about the epidemic of loneliness coming out of COVID, just the isolation, and really the mental health issues because people were so disconnected on the college campus. Well, one of the ways that you say we can uh, be connected is through healthy conversations. You actually call it a theology of a loving conversation. What does scripture teach us about having good communication? Well, that's what I was so excited about because everything that I was reading in the social science research was already confirmed for us in Scripture. So I base it a lot on Philippians 2 and Romans 12, that in every conversation you need four mindsets to really have a warm connection. You need to be curious, believe the best about other people, express concern for their lives, and then share your own life. And if one of those is missing, it's all going to fall apart because Paul really says value other people above yourself, take on their interests, really consider how you can carry each other's burdens from Galatians 6. You're going to have to go over those four again. What Just name okay. those again, please. Yes. So you're going to believe the best about people. You're going to be curious about their lives. And, you know, Bridget, we're really bad at that. Some of us are really self-obsessed. We don't know how to ask good questions of other people. So the book really gives you lots of ways to just be curious about other people. Believe the best. We're in a culture of true suspicion and judgment. When you see someone, we're likely to think, who do they vote for? What do they believe about vaccines? We're already thinking how we're going to be in an argument with them. But instead, what if you believe the best? What if you approached people with true love? Also express concern. Know what people's major stressors are. What are their big decisions coming up? You know, what thought keeps them up at night? And then finally, share your life with people. Usually people are really deficient in one of those four categories. They don't know how to maybe share their life or maybe they know they're not curious about other people. They never ask questions. And we've all been there. How many of you have been with your family and they don't ask you one question about your life? Hmm. Yeah. And I think conversation is something that needs to be learned. We need to be teaching it. And I think that's part of the problem because we're not yeah. good at it. We're having a hard time teaching our kids it. And it's just kind of one domino hits the other, doesn't it? Yes. And with my own family and my students, I was having a hard time. You know, you can give people a lot of questions to start, but the book is really about how to continue a loving conversation so you'll never get lost in conversation again. And then what the goals of a conversation are. So the goals of a conversation are to always encourage, to help people in their personal growth, or to lead them to a state 
of awe or marveling. And so we teach, like, this is where a conversation should end. But really, the book is about the six pathways or categories of how you can ask questions in any dimension of what it means to be human. So you never get lost in conversation again. So you can ask questions in that social, emotional, physical, cognitive, like what people are thinking about, volitional or spiritual categories. And you can You'll never get lost again, Eric and Bridget, because if I asked you a question, my follow-up could be, who was there social? You know, how did it, how did it affect your body, physical? What were you thinking about, you know, cognitive? The, the book is so practical. You're going you're gonna to love it. You're going to think, okay, this is great. This is a great professional development school skill and also great for my spiritual life. I, I'm just, I'm thinking of the Gospels and how Jesus was, he, as always, he's the master at this, isn't he? He is, and he asks questions in every dimension of what it be, means to be human. And what really brings tears to my eyes is when I think about the focus Jesus had on each person he was talking to. Can you imagine him looking into your eyes, listening, and asking the kind of questions that he asked, mm. you know, to Nicodemus or the woman at the well? It just overwhelms me to think of how much Jesus cared about people. And then when I think about Paul's commands in the New Testament of what it means to really relationally connect with people, I just think it reflects the character of God and how he's so relational. We're talking with Dr. Heather Holloman, who's written The Six Conversations, Pathways to Connecting in an Age of Isolation and Incivility. You know, as a college professor, I know you're dealing with, you know, heady things and and difficult concepts. But as you wrote about something like as basic as having a great conversation, did you even learn something new or a skill that maybe surprised you when you were kind of going back to the basics? Oh, I love this question, Bridget. You're a great question asker. You know what I learned? You know, the most fascinating thing I learned is what to listen for when you're talking to people. Nobody ever taught me how to listen. You're listening for core values. So if I'm talking to a friend who's really upset that her schedule changed or that someone changed plans on her or someone didn't arrive when they were supposed to, I can say to my friend, it really seems like you value your schedule. And it really upsets you when things change. And she'll say, I do. That is what I value. Keep talking with me. Let's walk. You know, people want you to listen to what they really value. So my husband really values, you know, he likes to take a long time making decisions. He's thoughtful. Instead of pushing him to make a faster decision, I'll say, honey, you really value taking your time and being thoughtful with decisions. And he just feels so loved. When I just say, I can tell you value this as I'm listening to you. I know. Did I just save everyone's marriage? marriage (laughs) Well, because I guess he feels heard and he feels understood. And isn't that, you know, what we want? Yes. And especially if you're in conflict with someone or, or the conversation gets heated, sometimes I'll just look at someone and say, I can tell this really matters to you and you really value, you know, whatever it is, excellence or whatever it is they're talking about. And what happens is, is people will say to me, this was the best conversation I ever had. Will you come back to my office next week? You're going to have more friends than you guys know what to do with once you start implementing some of these techniques. But that was the most surprising thing I learned is what to listen for.
Well, I think what's interesting is you were going through those four different things, curiosity, believe the best, concern, share your own life. And when you were doing those, the one that pops out to me is, okay, sharing my own life. I'm I'm avoiding that. that, But what you just did there by saying you really value this, you kind of pulled that. There was nothing they could do but share their life with you. You kind of pulled that out of them, didn't you? Yeah, that's a good point. I never thought about that, Eric. When you do say that, it invites people. They feel safe. They're going to share their life. They're going to want to spend time with you. But if you're, you're like me, Eric, I don't like to be vulnerable. I don't like to share my life. But think about Paul, where he says in Thessalonians, we were delighted not only to share the gospel, but our lives as well. That really convicted me. When, I, when someone's sharing deeply with me, then it's my turn to say, you know what? I've been going through that, too. Let me tell you what I've been thinking about. Let me tell you what's been hard for me. You're going to really feel that deep, loving, warm connection And your fellowship is just going to be such a delight when you start sharing your life. Well, you're really calling us to deeper conversation here. But you say we all have kind of a default style. How do we figure out what that? (laughs) Well, how do we figure out what our default style is? Well, the book has a lot of self-assessments and kind of you know tests you can take. Um, Notice today what you love to talk about, what category you like to talk about. So I always love to talk about the cognitive and the spiritual. So if you ask me, hey, what have you been thinking about lately? Oh, I would go on and on. But not everyone likes that category. My children, my teen daughter, she doesn't want me to ask her about her deep thoughts or her spiritual life. But when I ask her about her friends or, you know, what, what, what did she have for lunch, the physical category, they'll really open up. So you've got to listen to what other people like to talk about and not only stay in your default category. So my husband loves to talk about physical processes. He loves to work with his hands. He loves physical spaces. So instead of asking him, you know, how was your time with the Lord today? It's much better if I say, hey, what kind of projects have you been working on today? I want to hear about this system you put in place. He will feel so loved and he'll want to talk about that forever. So noticing what you always like to talk about and being willing to listen to what other people like to talk about and go in that category of conversation. I noticed Gary Chapman did the forward here. These are like the love languages yeah. of conversation, right? Yeah. It is. It is. I was so, it was so delightful to have Gary write that forward because when I was writing the book, I thought, you know what? This is really saving all of my relationships. This is helping mm-hmm. me connect with my children, my husband. And as an evangelist, I was having so many conversations about Jesus, Eric, because people felt connected to me. They felt safe. I would say, does it bother you that I'm talking so much about Jesus? I love the spiritual category of conversation. And they would say, no, I want to hear more about this because I had done the four mindsets. I'd done the three fresh goals. I knew how to listen. So this is perfect for, you know, teams or churches that are really interested in growing a culture of evangelism because it teaches you all the ways to talk. So it's a safe place for people to share their lives. Well, that leads so well to where we really wanted to get to in this conversation, because at the end of your book, you talk about the greatest conversation about, you know, God's questions, even in the book of Genesis. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, I love how every time I read the Bible, you know, I've been a Christian since I was 12 years old, but I still read the book of Genesis and discover new things. And I was looking at how God pursues us with questions in the book of Genesis, it's so beautiful because he's basically like, where are you? Who told you you were naked? You know, what have you done? And those are really questions designed to get to the heart 
of our identity, who we are. I love the question, like, you know, where are you? Where are you in relation to God? Who told you this information about yourself? And then what have you done is really that moment where you can come to God in repentance and say, look, I know I'm a sinner. I know I fall short of the righteous requirements I need to enter your presence. And it's really that beautiful picture of coming to Jesus and saying, look, I don't know who I am apart from you. You know, I've been listening to all the lies of the world about who I am. And finally, I know I need you, Jesus. I know I need you to come into my life and make everything right again. So I love that last chapter of my book because it's about talking to God honestly and living a life of rich conversation with the Lord. So then you're filled with all that love to go love a hurting world in conversation. It really does take scripture out of the owner's manual type of book into a a love letter or a conversation with us. I mean, that's really what it does for us when we look at scripture that way. Yes, that's a beautiful way to say it. It is. And also, I do talk about the way I approach God is like a real conversation. A lot of people hold God at arm's length, but that's the beauty of what it means to have salvation. That's the beauty of the gospel. You can approach God with confidence that he's listening, that he sees you. Can you imagine? You can talk to him today about what's on your mind, and he listens. He sees you. We read in the Psalms that he formed the hearts of all and considers everything they do. So today I can just pray, talk to God, tell him what's on my mind, and I read the scripture and know that the Holy Spirit can bring that scripture to life in my life like a real conversation. There is so much in this book. It's so rich. It's going to help us in all of our relationships. It's called The Six Conversations, Pathways to Connecting in an Age of Isolation and Incivility. I'm looking at chapter one, and even the quote you have here from Margaret Wheatley says, you can't hate someone whose story you know. Isn't that so key to bridging and and I think really healing the incivility we see even in society? Well, it is. And I really, I I care a lot about social change. Like, just like everyone else, I care about political issues. I care about all the things that we're seeing. But what I love about that quote and Margaret Wheatley is I know that real change happens interpersonally, changing minds, helping. I mean, you can do, obviously, public protests, you can vote, you can do all these things. But what about interpersonally, in families, in our neighborhoods, figuring out why your neighbor that believes something totally different from you approach him and say, tell me the story about why you came to that belief. I want to know more about you. And what you'll find is you don't hate people once you understand where they're coming from. And then you can have a loving conversation that leads to actual change in people's lives. The Six Conversations, Pathways to Connecting Again in an Age of Isolation and Incivility by Heather Holloman, who's been with us today. Check it out at ericandbridget.org.